May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it is indeed a pleasure for Tam and Eliana and I to be with you all this morning. And so much, I'm so grateful to Father Joe and to Father Lawrence, not only for inviting us, but also for housing us. So thank you, Father Lawrence. Thank you, Megan. Um, we're having a wonderful stay. We drove in from Baltimore, north of Baltimore, yesterday. And um, it's just a pleasure and looking forward to getting to know all of you a little bit better following the service. Well, today is the fourth Sunday of Easter, and what is traditionally known sometimes on the church calendar as Good Shepherd Sunday, hence our readings all having a theme around shepherds and sheep and pastures and all of those wonderful images that we have from God's Word. So we focus primarily today on our Gospel reading from St. John's Gospel. We find what is known as one of the I Am sayings of Jesus. They are unique to St. John's writings. Others include, the list is not exclusive here, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the resurrection and the life. We read another one of these I am sayings if we would back up a little bit in St. John's Gospel in chapter 10 to verse 7 where Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. And then in this morning's reading, he tells us, I am the good shepherd. Now, Jesus is saying all of this in John chapter 10 directed to the Pharisees. Who in John chapter 9, if we back up just a little bit, have attempted or are in the process of attempting to discredit Jesus and also discredit the man born blind who he has just miraculously healed. The Pharisees were not hearing what Jesus was really saying. This wasn't so matter a lack of intellectual comprehension as it was a matter of the heart. So Jesus addresses them through the imagery of a shepherd. Because every person living in that day in Palestine was familiar with the life of a shepherd. And because it was something they could relate to from everyday life. So we look at this passage from St. John's Gospel, there are really two key subjects which Jesus speaks about in this parable. The first is this, commitment. Commitment, both of the shepherd and also of the sheep. And secondly, relationship, intimate fellowship between the shepherd and the sheep. In terms of commitment, where we need to begin is the reality that the shepherd is fully committed to the sheep. And we see this demonstrated in two specific ways. First, we see this demonstrated through the shepherd's sacrifice. In verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. People in that day understood the difference between a good shepherd and a bad or an incompetent shepherd. Shepherds lived with their sheep 24-7. It wasn't like today where they went home to their house on the farm. They were out in the fields living with their sheep. And sheep, unlike many other animals, could not find pasture on their own. And they were, de they were dependent upon the shepherd to lead them to food. 
they also required still or quiet water. They would not drink from fast or running water. They simply wouldn't drink if the water was moving quickly. So it was incumbent upon the shepherd not only to find pasture for the sheep, but it was also incumbent upon the shepherd to locate quiet or still waters. Again, what we hear in our reading from the Psalms today, Psalm 22, excuse me, Psalm 23, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The shepherd had to defend his sheep from attacks by wild animals and theft, often even at the risk of his life. And shepherds did indeed sometimes die defending their sheep. A good shepherd would also count his sheep two times daily to make sure that none was missing. These were all traits of a good, faithful, diligent shepherd. When we look at God's word in the Old Testament, we also see that the imagery of shepherd is used repeatedly to speak of the rulers of Israel. And most importantly for our purposes today with John chapter 10 is the imagery found in Ezekiel chapter 34. And to summarize, Ezekiel chapter 34, um, God removes Israel's leaders for being unfaithful shepherds. In the midst of their sin, in the midst of the failure of these leaders, God himself steps in and he promises two things to his Old Testament people, Israel. He says that he himself, God, will be their shepherd. And he promises them that the shepherd, the true shepherd, the Messiah, would ultimately come from the line of David. So when in St. John's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus says he is the good shepherd, he is not simply saying that he is a good shepherd. He is not saying that he is like a good shepherd. Jesus is clearly making a statement that was readily understood by the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, those who he was confronting. And he is saying to them that he is the promised good shepherd foretold by the prophet Ezekiel. He is saying, I am the prophesied one of the line of David. I am the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, as the one who the prophets foretold, I am God. I am God the Son, the one who will ultimately lay down his life for the sheep. But where it's different is this. The death of a typical shepherd in Palestine meant disaster. It meant harm, even death for the sheep. But the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, brings life supernatural life and eternal life to those who are his. In his, in his coming to earth, in his sinless life, in his sacrificial death, in his resurrection, in his ascension back to the right hand of the Father, and in his ruling and reigning on high, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, demonstrates his absolute and total commitment to the sheep to those who are His, to those who know and love Him. That includes each one of us who are in Christ. And we have this assurance. 
that the shepherd has demonstrated his commitment to us by the sacrifice of his very own life. We have the shepherd's commitment. We also have the shepherd's ownership. Verses 12 and 13 of St. John's Gospel, chapter 10, contrast the good shepherd who owns sheep with a hireling, someone who is simply paid a wage to watch over the sheep. How many of you know the fact is you have a deeper level of care and commitment and concern when you actually own something that belongs to you? Um, Tammy and I own several rental properties, and this is not to disparage anyone who is a renter. Please hear my heart in this. But I've got to tell you, some renters, even if you screen them well, can do unbelievable things to a house in a few months' time. There's not that sense of ownership. There's not that sense of having to pay for this property from your own earnings. And frankly, there have been times it has blown my mind what a tenant can do in six or eight months or a year's time. That sense of ownership and commitment and care is especially profound when something has been acquired at great price. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ has done for every single one of us in his death. He has acquired us, you and me, at a great price. And because of that, knowing Jesus Christ as Savior mandates, it requires full surrender to his ownership by God's grace and power at work in our lives because he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He is not a hireling. He is not one paid to do work for someone else. If we are his sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, owns you and me, brothers and sisters. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And being owned and controlled and led and directed by him is not a bad thing, as our society might paint it sometimes, but it is a good thing, it is a blessed thing. It is a wonderful thing. And in that ownership, he calls us to nothing less than total surrender complete yieldedness to him of our lives, of who we are, of our entire being. The Moravian Church was an outgrowth of the German pietist movement back in the 17th and 18th century. And the Moravians had a profound influence on some of our Anglican forebearers, especially John Wesley. And the Moravians were very zealous in their faith in that time, very zealous for foreign missions, for reaching the lost who had never heard the gospel. But one of the things that Moravian missionaries were known to say and even to cry out as they sailed out of port to give their lives, literally in many cases, for the gospel was this. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Good Shepherd, is fully committed to the sheep. He is fully committed to us, you and me, as his sheep. And he calls us to nothing less than full surrender of our lives to him by God's grace and power. Secondly, we have the relationship piece. We've got the commitment piece and now the relationship piece. 
the shepherd lives in intimate fellowship with the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. The shepherd knows the sheep. He knows them intimately. If we look back again to the preceding parable in St. John chapter 10, Jesus tells us that he knows his sheep by name. Shepherds in ancient Palestine knew every single one of the sheep that belonged to them. They knew the details. They knew the unique traits and idiosyncrasies of each one of those animals. Now, I don't know. Did any of you grow up on a farm? Anybody in here? Nobody. Okay. I've got cousins back in Maryland who are dairy farmers, and they have a herd of about 300 Holstein cattle. And I've worked on the farm, particularly when I was younger. I worked there quite a bit. And I knew this cow or that cow by its number tag or sometimes by a cow that had distinct markings. But it has never ceased to amaze me. My cousins know every cow. They know the cow's pedigree. They know all the health issues that 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 cow has had through its life. They can tell you who sired that cow. They can tell you two, three, four, five generations back that cow's bloodline. They can glance across the field with 150 cows in it, and from three or 400 yards they can say, oh, that's 215, just at a glance, which is an absolutely mind-boggling thing to me. But my, my mom's cousin once said to me, if you spent 20 hours a day sometimes, seven days a week, 365 days a year with these cows, you would know them like that too. In an even greater measure, that is how God knows us. He knows every intimate detail of our lives, every sin struggle, every trial, every joy, every desire of our heart. That's incredible. It's wonderful. It should encourage us. And honestly, sometimes that's a little bit frightening too, at least for me. God knows us because he's all-knowing. But in his omniscience, and his all-knowingness, God still loves us. God still loves us. Even when he knows the darkest corners of the recesses of our hearts. Jesus, our good shepherd, knows the sheep. And finally, in this context of relationship, the sheep know the shepherd. Jesus says, my sheep know me. Again, backing up in St. John's Gospel, the sheep follow him for they know his voice, speaking of the shepherd. A stranger they will not follow. They will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. In that day, multiple shepherds placed their sheep together at night in one pen. And they could put all of their sheep together and yet the sheep would only respond to the voice of of their shepherd. They would only go out with him in the morning. They they knew his unique voice, his calls, and the tones he played on his pipe. How? Why? Why did they know his voice so well? It was because they spent time with the shepherd. We know, brothers and sisters, 
We know the voice of the shepherd. We know the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ intimately only, only as we spend time with him. Time in his word, time in prayer, time in intimate fellowship with our God, time in corporate worship as we encounter him through his body and blood in the Eucharist. Our world is full of voices. Voices clamoring for our attention and our loyalties. Many voices that claim to speak for the shepherd. But we don't learn the voice of the shepherd. And we don't experience intimate fellowship with him through them. We don't know the shepherd's voice by listening to imposters and counterfeits and trying to draw comparisons. You don't experience intimate fellowship with him just by listening to me this morning. We learn his voice by spending time, lots of time with him. What should cause us to pause and reflect and ponder and ask ourselves, as I ask myself, do I, do you, do we really know his voice? Is his voice clear and distinctive to each of us? Can I, can you distinguish his voice from other voices around us? Can we distinguish between his voice and our own wants and desires that somehow we, we twist around to convince ourselves that they're what God wants for us because it's really what we want? The only way we can sort all of those things out is by spending time with the shepherd who invites us in the context of his full commitment to us to enter in. And no matter how much we enter in, to enter in deeply, more deeply, day by day, into fellowship and intimacy with him. Because he is, brothers and sisters, our good shepherd. He has demonstrated his total commitment to us, to the sheep, in the fact that he laid down his very life for us. And he calls us, you and me, this day, and all the days of our life to full, total commitment by surrendering and by continuing to yield daily to his ownership in our lives so that like those Moravian missionaries some centuries ago, the cry of our hearts can grow to be ever more fully. May the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Let us pray. Father, how grateful we are for your great love for us. And out of your great love, you were constrained to send Jesus, the good shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, to lay down his life for us, to become our Passover lamb, so that we can walk in intimate fellowship with you. Father, I pray that this day, you would speak to each of our hearts. That you would draw us more fully into the mystery of salvation provided in Christ. 
that you draw us more deeply into union and fellowship with you and that you would mold us and shape us more and more into his image. That you would nourish us, that you would feed us, that you would strengthen us so that we could be the ambassadors and the heralds of the gospel to a lost and dying world that you've called us to be. That your name may be glorified and that you would be lifted up in our midst and in our community for the praise and the honor and glory of your name. And this we ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.